transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. So welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And our topic is Turner Syndrome, Taking Care to Great Heights. My guest is Dr. Joe Cernich. Dr. Cernich is the Director of the Pediatric Endocrinology Fellowship Program, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Medicine. He's also the Medical Director of the Great Heights Clinic for Girls with Turner Syndrome. Dr. Cernich, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure being here. How common is Turner Syndrome? It's found roughly in one in one in 2,000 uh, girls, and it is found in girls only. Uh, part of it depends on how close you look. Studies that look at every child born and every girl that's born will find that its prevalence is much higher than, than recently thought. So it's currently thought that about one in 2,000 girls will have Turner syndrome. Now, you mentioned that it, obviously it does happen in, in boys at time. What would be the situation where you would see a boy with Turner syndrome? Well, it does not happen in boys. All all the uh, fetuses that have that are missing part of that X chromosome are phenotypically female. So uh, there are occasions where some of the girls have portions of a Y chromosome, but it happens uh, early enough in pregnancy that there are no uh, there's no development of male genitalia. Have researchers determined which genes on the X chromosome are associated? With the with the features of Turner syndrome, uh, sure. Although it is still being elucidated, there is much more known about growth than, say, ovarian hormones or ovarian genes. Excuse me, but uh, we do know that the genes that are affiliated with this are found in the two uh, ends of the chromosome, which is called the pseudo autosomal region, where it's important to have two copies of those genes. There are other genes on the X chromosome that the body will silence uh, depending in the girls because they'll have two X chromosomes and the body only wants one copy. There are, though, some genes that the body wants two copies of, and they're found in the pseudo-autosomal region. So that's where researchers are looking. We know, for example, that there is a gene called the Shox gene that is usually found on all X chromosomes and Y chromosomes, for that matter, that does affect growth and uh, bone development. So these girls that are missing one of their shocks genes end up significantly shorter as a result. We do also so know, though, it... that there are multiple genes associated with ovarian development uh, on the X chromosome okay. as well that are affected. So with it being so relatively rare, though, where, where do most patients go for, for care? That is uh, a big question, and that's one we're trying to solve here uh, at Children's Mercy. So it's uncommon enough that most of the families and girls that have it rarely meet someone else that has Turner syndrome by chance. And that's one of the things in our design of the clinic that we wanted to change. We wanted to bring the families and girls together, not just to meet with a doctor, but to meet with other girls and families that are uh, affected by it so that they can see that they're not the only ones struggling with what uh, they're struggling with. The in a nationwide uh, perspective, though, there is now a uh, Turner Resource Network, uh, of which I'm a part of, that's designed uh, to try to promote care nationally and to help centers that will excel in Turner Syndrome care 
develop so that they are closer to, uh, geographically closer to the patients and may not have to travel as far, but that we'd also be increasing the quality of care and the consistency of care that these girls receive. So what makes the treatment approach at Children's Mercy unique or, or different? Well, um, our whole clinic design is different than, than what most people will find. So instead of these patients being scattered amongst uh, our clinic schedule, we have one day every uh, four months, so three times a year, where our clinic is essentially closed to any patients except those that have Turner syndrome. So we will bring in roughly 50 girls that have Turner syndrome that day, and they will receive multidisciplinary care and uh, with also some chances to interact with each other. So the multidisciplinary care approach is not unique. There are several centers that do that. What makes ours unique is that uh, it's all done on the Great Heights uh, Turner Syndrome Clinic day. Um, That allows us to have all the patients there, and uh, we can set up uh, and coordinate their care amongst different subspecialists, uh, such as cardiologists or developmental pediatricians, whoever they need uh, to see that day. So it's a long day, and they may have multiple doctor visits or do other studies or tests. Uh, but we also have other activities uh, for them to partake in uh, where they can interact with each other. Uh, also, we uh, will have a, a lunch and learn for them. So over the noon hour, uh, we provide some food to the families and have either a local speaker or a national speaker come to address some topic that will be helpful for the families to learn about. And how have the families responded to the Great Heights Clinic? Uh, has this been very positive? Uh, yes, and I, quite frankly, uh, have been surprised at how positive it is. When we started it in 2010, uh, I had no idea that it would reach anywhere besides the uh, Kansas City metro area. Uh, and now we're uh, taking care of patients from six different states, uh, basically by word of mouth from the families uh, discussing it with each other on Internet forums, etc. And it's been um, much more well-received than I ever imagined. And I think we provide high-quality care, but I think the part that really sets it apart is that it becomes an event for the families. Uh, It's an event for the girls uh, to see each other, to interact with each other, and uh, to socialize and be around other families and and girls that are going through the same struggles. Um, Is it the the goal, Dr. Cernan, is it the goal of the the Turner's um, Research Network to... To have more of these type these types of clinics, these these one day you know um, clinic visits, is that really the goal of that network to try to spread this around the country? Well, it's it's a model, and we've had uh, physicians from around the country that are interested in Turner syndrome come see our model uh, with the hope of bringing some parts of it back to their institution. And quite frankly, it's going to be difficult for some some people because there may be space limitations or there are limitations. Right. Uh, to what their administration will support. Uh, and the bottom line is, is, is that I've had uh, an incredible amount of support from the administration here, and both within my division of endocrinology on running this clinic. And so this exact model may or may not be replicated uh, by a lot of places, but uh, it may they may have some resource limitations that, that we don't have to deal with. But Dr. I think Sir, people see... Seems... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say that, you know, you know, with, with this type of, um, 
you know, one day when they come in, I, I mean, it, it sounds like the, the, the patient and the family, they're going to be there pretty much all day long, but it's cutting back on having to come back to another doctor on a different day. So it seems like this is uh, makes a lot of sense, and I can see how you're getting the positive results and, and the responses that you're getting. One, one last question for you, Dr. Cerny, since you are the expert. what What is the future treatment of Turner syndrome? Are we looking at gene therapies, chromosomal therapy? Is that uh, where we where do you see Turner treatment going down in in, in the future? Well, I, I think that's a long way off, but ultimately, our hope is that if we know that there are genes that are missing that can lead to these uh, health issues, that down the line, those genes could be replaced and uh, that way, these girls wouldn't have to deal with the health, health issues they have lifelong. And, you know, the, the biggest of which is uh, most of them uh, don't go through puberty and, and only a handful will ever be able to become pregnant. And that really is what weighs on them uh, long term. So uh, it'd be nice if we could have genetic therapy uh, to do that. The, the issue is going to be is this isn't one gene that is affected. It's many genes on this right. chromosome that are that are missing. So we're really talking about, in some cases, maybe replacing an entire chromosome as opposed to you know, one genetic mutation in one gene. And uh, that's going to be uh, very, very difficult. So for the time being, we're stuck with uh, looking at each individual health issue that they have and how can we best treat that. Dr. Serge, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the work that you're doing. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Have a great day.